This morning we're going to be, this is the last topical sermon you're going to get for a while. We're going to, uh, Lori and I go on vacation uh, next week, and when I get back we're going to start Genesis. So, But this, I've had three or four topical sermons here, and uh, they're harder to prepare for a topical sermon than if you know where your text is coming from when you teach through the scriptures. Uh, sometimes when you teach through the scriptures, you 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 have to bring out what you think the Lord is wanting to say, but uh, to just search out and do a topical study, it's been a while since I did those, so I've done a few here. This morning we're going to talk about grieving, to grieve, and our text will come from Ephesians 4, chapter 12. Uh, chapter 4, verses 25 through 32. Last week we looked at Peter. What an example Peter is. And we looked at him in the Gospel of John. And Peter and the other disciples, they went out and they went fishing all night. And they caught nothing. Jesus is on the shore. And he calls out to the to the disciples that are in the boat. And he says... Uh, throw your net on the right side of the boat. That would be a hard command for me to follow. Now, it's a simple command, but I fished all night, caught nothing, then here's some guy on the shore calling out, throw your net on the right side of the boat. Yeah, buddy. (laughs) You cook breakfast, we'll fish. You know, that would have been my attitude. That's probably why I wasn't a disciple, huh? But anyway, they obeyed the Lord, and they catch 153 large fish. Somebody bothered to count these fish. The disciples, they realize that it's Jesus, and he has breakfast ready for them. After breakfast, though, Jesus asked Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And the third time that Jesus asked, it tells us that Peter is grieved. To grieve, or to be grieved, means to have a heaviness of your heart that actually overcomes you. A severe case of what we might call hurt feelings. Grieved is a word that is seldom used in Scripture. We grieve and use the word grieving usually associated with death in funerals, a loss of life. And each of us grieves in a different way. Some of us grieve with tears, some of us don't, but we all grieve. But back in Jesus' day, uh, a person would die and they would hire, if you were any person of any substance, you would hire professional mourners and they were hired to make a loud mournful lamentation over the person that has died as a fellowship we've lost two of our men over the last two weeks David Euler lost his battle to ALS and his funeral was last Sunday and Jerry who worked in sound He just died all of a sudden. Jerry uh, had only been attending here about a year, but uh, 
you know, he became a, a common fixture around here, and we all loved him. And we think his son found him. We think he died of a massive heart attack. But perhaps the Lord just called him home. We don't know. But recently, Jerry's daughter recommitted her life to Jesus. So Jerry, little unassuming Jerry, had a good influence on his family and upon us here. So when loved ones pass, we grieve. We're told in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the only time we usually take notice of grieving is when it strikes close to home. At times, we can actually grieve one another. We can hurt one another. But to grieve the Holy Spirit of God, to me that shows us how vulnerable God is or how vulnerable God makes Himself to us, those whom He loves. He loves us so much that we can actually grieve Him. To grieve, or to be grieved, love must be present. Otherwise, you just have anger. You can't grieve me unless I love you, and vice versa. You can make me mad, and I can make you mad, but you can't grieve one another unless there's love there. You know, and we can hear false accusations and, um, like I said, things that aren't true, but to grieve, to bring about that heaviness of heart, love has to be present. Therefore, let's read our passage this morning where the Apostle Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 4, verse 25 through 32. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Ephesians 4 is quite a chapter. Paul has talked about, in chapter 4, He's talked about Christians walking in unity. We're to be unified. He talks about we're to have a lowliness of mind. We're to be long-suffering with one another. We're to be to gentle with one another. And we're to bear with one another in love. 
Paul also has talked about in this chapter about the call that God has placed on each of our lives. Every believer is called to edify, to lift up the body of Christ. Every believer. We're to be edifying the body of Christ. Every person is to be doing their share using their gift of the Spirit, causing growth. And not a f- growth, not necessarily in numbers, but growth in each other, spiritual growth. Paul even tells us, as Christians, do not be as the Gentiles. And what that meant in that day and in that time, or do not be as sinners. That was a, if you get too lifted up in pride as a Gentile, realize that that was another word for sinner. <laughs> makes you a little humble but anyway a sinner a Gentile understanding is darkened concerning the things of God understanding or being darkened is the fruit of a hardened heart this old man all of us before we became a Christian we were motivated we were driven by deceitful selfish lust each and every one of us the new man the new creation a Christian has been created in the likeness of God to be righteous and holy you couldn't get further away from one another the old man and the Christian. We are to change our behavior when we become a Christian. In verses 25 through 32, Paul there, he talked about what grieves the Holy Spirit. One of the attributes of God in the personal Holy Spirit that we have living within us is we can and do grieve him how I wish that was never said of me but verse 25 it begins a little series of how to live here and it says put away lying now that's simple straightforward put away lying speak the truth what is a lie I'll answer that for you A lie is when you cause a person, any person, to believe something that is not true. And your words can all be true, but if you're leading a person to believe something that is not true, that is a lie. A while back, I was listening to Christian Radio, Christian Radio talk show, and their topic was White Lies are lives of convenience. I said, well, this should be interesting. (laughs) They had a caller, this young lady, I assume young lady, called in, and she was complaining. My boss wants me to lie and say he is not in the office. He doesn't want me to say he's in the office when he doesn't want to receive some phone calls. The DJ had a response to this. Talk to your boss. 
and have him step out of the office or the room, therefore you will not be lying. I was flabbergasted. This was a Christian giving advice. Go ahead and lie. It really just... I've never forgotten it. I've probably used this example before. But that Christian DJ did not even understand what a lie was, and he's trying to give advice. That secretary whose boss is pressuring her to lie about his presence, then she calls in seeking advice, and she gets bad advice from a Christian. And that's sad. But you know, if you've worked in the labor force or the labor field out there, there are a lot of bosses that pressure their employees to lie. That goes on. There is a way to combat this. If you will establish up front with your superiors, just say something like, if you don't want me to be untruthful with you, please don't ask me to lie to a customer. You have now put the pressure on them. Don't ask me to lie. Jesus told us our yes is to be yes, and our no is to be no, and it's that simple. You know, lying is similar to stealing. You're taking the truth away from your listener. A lie can not only be speaking falsely, but it can also be just not telling all of the truth. When you hold back truthful Facts, you try to manipulate your listener into believing a lie. So be careful with your words. Don't lead somebody to believe something that it is not true, for that is a lie. Then we go to verse 26 and 7, and it says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Notice that being angry is not a sin. Or Paul would have said, you know, he would not have said be angry and do not sin. So, being angry without sin is possible, but it's extremely difficult. (laughs) Almost impossible for us mortals. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus, he goes into a synagogue. Uh, The Jewish leaders are there. They're watching Jesus to see if he's going to heal a man who has a withered hand. And let me read Mark 3, 3 through 6 for you. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, step forward. Jesus calls attention to this man. Then he said to them, speaking to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath? to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill, but they kept silent. And when he had looked around them, at them with anger, Jesus was angry at them, being grieved, he's also grieved with them, 
by the hardness of their heart, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored as whole as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and immediately plotted with the Herodians against him how they might destroy him, speaking of Jesus. Wow, what a contrast. Jesus is angry, he is grieved, because the religious leaders, because they don't recognize him as Messiah? No, he's not angry at that, he's not grieved at that. Jesus is angry, it tells us here, and grieved by the hardness of their heart. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, the Holy Spirit is grieved by lying, anger with sin, corrupt communication from believers, but Jesus was grieved by hardness of heart from his own Jewish people. Hardness of heart is nothing more than a skeptical, unbelieving attitude. That's a hard heart. The Pharisees, they're angry at Jesus. And they're angry because of their hardness of heart, and their hardened heart causes them to go out and plot the destruction of the only perfect man who ever walked on this earth. Set themselves up as evil to come against good. Jesus is angry, and yet he does good. He heals a man with a withered hand. Anger is a very strong emotion, to say the least. And it almost always brings about sin in our lives. It doesn't always, but it almost always does. And Paul has a remedy for this, and he says, Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Paul understands very simply that if you dwell upon something, if you ponder a certain situation, if you think too much about whatever made you angry, the more likely you are to sin. Anger, sins, cause us to be pawns, pawns like a little chess piece of the devil. Because you don't think straight when you're angry. In verse 25, we're told, Let him who stole steal no longer. And Paul's just going through a little checklist here, but rather work what is good. We are to be up front in our business dealings. I often say, Give me all the facts. I hate surprises. Don't tell me the cost of a certain item is, say, $1,000, and then here come all the hidden charges and you're talking $1,500. Don't tell me 1000 if it's $1,500. do not tell me the job will be done in a week if you know it's going to be, take you a month to do it. Be up front with me. I hate surprises in business deals. 
We are to be honest. We're to be forthright so that our labors, don't miss this, so our labors can be blessed of God. And where we can also have something to give to the one who is in need. You notice our Lord is always concerned for those who are in need. Some Christians, not all, some, there's a segment out there that never seem to get ahead in life and oftentimes you will find that person that never gets ahead, they have missed the principle of giving. It's that simple. They're not in a position that God can bless them. As believers, we are to work and labor in a fair way so God can bless our labor. And then that we can bless those who are in need. I don't want to ever pray, God bless me, give me more of anything if I'm not willing to bless others. We've got to be willing to bless others. We've got to have a giving heart if we want God's blessing, and it's that simple. Then we read, don't let any corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Wow. In the book of James, we read that out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. And then James says, these things ought not to be. Blessings and cursings should not be coming out of the same mouth. Years ago, many years ago, back when I was sowing a lot of wild oats, which I'm not a bit proud of, I had a good friend, and he was a believer, but he would not share his faith. He would not be a witness until he was halfway intoxicated. One young woman totally busted him on this. And she said to him, Here you sit in a bar throwing down drinks and wanting to witness to me about Jesus. That is corrupt communication. Corrupt communications often come forth when we're being a hypocrite. Don't talk to someone about the love of God in one breath and then in the next be condemning a brother. Don't talk love and then condemnation. I had a family member, a distance family member, who had a what I called a severe gossip problem and she loved family reunions and things like that where she could just throw the trash around. <laughs> and I once heard her gossiping and said something to her and she says, I'm not gossiping, what I said is true. And my reply, that doesn't mean it wasn't gossip. Gossip can be speaking the truth. It's just bringing to light a negative situation. We're not to be 
talking and dwelling on the negative. We're not to be dragging someone through the mud, even if it's true. We are to edify. We are to lift up. We are to impart grace to one another. How much more benefiting is a kind word versus a condemning word? And then we hear Paul, and Paul is going to speak from the heart here. He says, our conduct, our speech, can often offend God, the Holy Spirit. That, to me, is so sobering. To consider that me, or even you, us lowly little Christians, can offend the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we can think that only unbelievers offend the Holy Spirit. Or only unbelievers grieve the Holy Spirit. And they grieve, they do grieve the Holy Spirit with their constant rejection of His work in their life to bring them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. I agree, that is grieving Him. But as a believer, we have the capacity to offend God who dwells in us. And we all go through times when we're convicted, when our heart is sad within us, and we're not right with God, and we feel uneasy, and we have a heavy heart, and we're overcome by this. I suggest that when this happens, and it happens to all of us, I suggest you pray. Ask the Lord to search your heart and show us what we've done that grieves Him. And God is faithful. If we approach Him in truth and honesty, He will show us where we err, where we sin. And He will show us where our offense is if we truly seek to be right with Him. And it for me, it's usually I'll be laying in bed, can't rest, can't sleep, and I'll begin to run over the day's events, and then I'll begin to pray, Lord, show me where I've went wrong here because things are not right between us. And the Lord is faithful to show me. And then we have a time of repentance. <laughs> and invariably, God brings to my mind the thing that has not pleased Him. Perhaps it's some action or interaction with another person. Perhaps it's been a judgmental attitude towards a friend or another believer. And God will whisper in that quiet voice, that condemnation that you heaped upon a brother, that wasn't of me. That was you. And you were way out of line on that one, Don. And then we have to go to that person and ask them to forgive us. And that's embarrassing. And you've got to go find that person and ask them for forgiveness for not maybe telling the whole truth to them. I misled you there. I had to go down to the motor vehicle department where they give you traffic school. I got a ticket. Yes. I got a ticket. 
and they asked me some questions about my driving record, and I wasn't forthright. I didn't tell all the truth. The Lord convicted me so much, I had to go back down there and find that clerk and say, Hey, I misled you. I lied to you. And I want you to forgive me. Now, throw the book at me if you have to. Make me go to extra traffic school, whatever. But I misled you, and I'm sorry I did. That's what the Lord does to us when we do wrong. Now, we could have got, I could have got away with that, probably. Or I think I could have. <laughs> but I had to go tell her, you know, I misled you there. And that can be very embarrassing, especially if they ask you what you do for a living. You don't want to answer that. And that's bad, but there's something far worse. And that is to know that I have grieved the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in me. I've let my Lord down. And I'm amazed that God loves me so much that I have the capacity to grieve Him by my behavior. This knowledge, this truth, should cause all of us to put away certain things in our life. Verse 31. Put away all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking with malice. Put it away. Don't let it be part of you. Verse 32. And this should also cause us to develop kindness, being tender of heart, forgiving one another. Forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. And Christ-like forgiveness does not hold a grudge. Does not get even. Christ-like forgiveness chooses to forgive and forget. Have you ever heard someone say, well, I forgive them, but I can't forget it. Then you haven't forgave them. Go back to verse, you know, go back to step one. Get this whole thing. You got to forgive. Jesus told us, He says, in the manner you forgive, I will forgive you. And if you're anything like me, I need a lot of forgiveness. And the longer I walk with my Lord, the more I want to avoid grieving Him. Not because there isn't forgiveness. Because He loves me so much, I do not want to grieve Him. I pray that my grieving of the Holy Spirit will bring about change in this life. Change of heart. Change of attitude. And that requires putting the way of sin that offends my Lord. The last thing any of us should ever want to do is be grieving the Holy Spirit of God by a repeated sin. Let me say that again. The last thing any of us should ever want to do is grieve the Holy Spirit by a repeated sin. There was a woman caught in the act of adultery. They brought her to Jesus. 
What were Jesus' words to her? Go. Go your way and sin no more. You've been a sinner in the past. Do not continue in your sin. And that's good advice for any believer who truly loves the Lord. To not allow continued sin, habitual sin, to grieve the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. I sure don't want that, and I'm sure you don't either. So let me get you to stand, and we'll close in prayer, and we'll ask that the Lord keep us. Father God, first of all, we're amazed at how much you love us and how you make yourself so vulnerable to our behavior and to our actions. And Lord, help us not to grieve you. Help us to live a righteous and holy life before you, Lord. We pray that by your Spirit you would prick our conscience when we get off-center, when we get away from you, when we start living out lustful attitudes and actions. Bring us back in line, Lord. We do not want to be, as Paul said, like the Gentiles, like the sinners. We thank you for the call that you put on our life. You've called us to be holy, Lord. You've called us to be like you, Jesus, and we want to be. But Lord, we need your help. So be with us. Convict us of our sins, Lord. Cause us to be quick to repent of our sins. And Lord, help us not to repeat sins, especially any sin that would grieve you, Lord. So we pray for this. Thank you, Lord, for your loving us so much and forgiving us. And we pray and ask this, of course, in the name of Jesus. Amen.